our most recent addition to the eldership, has uh, just gotten back from a trip to London where he shared, and I'm going to let him share about what he shared. Phil, would you come, please? <laughs> we good. Thanks, Phil. It's London. London, England, not London, Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Although I have been there. And it's a foreign country, too. Uh, My wife, which is the big question, is on her way to Hickory to my daughter's house, who will take her to the airport. She'll be in Illinois for 10 days. So I know you're all interested in where she is. So there you go. Uh... Okay, it was almost three months ago to the day, uh, we had a little ceremony here, and I was in, installed as an elder. But one of the things that happened that day was uh, uh, the Lord gave me several words. We all want the Lord to speak to us. I mean, why are we here unless we believe in a personal creator who interacts with me Moment by moment. And we'd long for him to speak to us. We'd long for that. And occasionally he does. And he did that day. Uh, Y'all probably don't remember it, but I do. Because I wrote it down. Because I want to know what God says. And part of what he said that day was, You will be amazed at the doors opening that you never dreamt possible. That's a quote from one of the brothers who's sitting here this morning, that the Lord gave him. The last time I took an intentional ministry trip to do evangelism was 1990. Um, and I, that year I went to Poland, Ukraine, and Slovakia. 2011, we still had a landline. Last of the dinosaurs. I still don't own a smartphone. I just have a flip phone. Thank the Lord. So, anyway, 2011, the phone rings. And on the other end, this person says, is this Philip? I said, yes. This is Igor. I'm going, I don't know any Igor. Except for my buddy from high school, whose name was Monty, but we nicknamed him Igor. Because he kind of looked like David Crosby. So I'm going, Igor, Igor. This is Igor from Lviv, Ukraine. I'm calling to tell you I am Christian. So we had commandeered this table in the park, and I was preaching to the crowd, which was probably 200 people. And he was in the crowd that day. He was a student. Uh, He told me that within a year he'd accepted the Lord, plus two other girls that he knew in the crowd that day. Twenty-one years passed. I never knew that. Might not have ever known it. No credit to me. I'm just saying that sometimes when you plant seed or throw it out there, it's up to the Lord to water it and do with it what he will. Um, His whole family was Christian. He was a pastor now. He had moved to Ternopil where they had the big nuclear explosion. He was pastoring a church there. 
And he was actually in Baltimore, Maryland. I don't know how in the world he got my phone number, but he did. Uh, I want to share just two passages very quickly. The 2 Corinthians 10, 4. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. I went to London, uh, England. I was there last week for seven days to minister to Muslims. London's the fifth largest country in the world, I understand. 20% of the population of London is Muslim and growing. Most of those Muslims are from Arabic-speaking countries. In the summer, the Muslim population doubles because of tourists coming there. So for three hours each day, we had... Uh, ministry preparation, prayer, teaching, worship, sharing. And then we went on the streets of London for five and a half hours. Uh, except one day we went to Hyde Park and shared there. So, but three other nights on the street, thousands of people walking by, thousands of people constantly. Um, None of them particularly had on a sign that said, I am visiting London. So you didn't know. But there were 38 people in our group that week. Uh, so far, there have been 154 people participating in this outreach. And as of Friday, just, just give, let me give you a few numbers here. As of Friday, 7,849 pieces of literature had been given out, including... 3,187 Arabic New Testaments, 905 spiritual conversations, 443 full gospel presentations, and six conversions, uh, which is phenomenal. The last three years, they had zero conversions on the streets. Um, Muslims don't do that. They just don't do that. But six, that, that's incredible. Uh, here's an example of, of what typically happens. There was a couple on our team from Statesville. They, this is their 15th consecutive summer to go to England and do this. So they were there last year. They've been there the last 14 years in a row. Six years ago, they were there. So this summer, last week, this lady comes up to them and says, do you remember me? And they are going, no, not really. She says, six years ago, I was a medical student and she's from uh, Kuwait. She was a medical student in London. She passed by on the street, got a packet, which was uh, in, wrapped in cellophane. It's an Arabic New Testament and a copy of the Jesus film together. She says, I took it home and put it in my drawer, and I did not open it for three years. Finally, I opened it, 
In the next two years, I got converted. I'm back in London now. I'm a medical doctor living here full time, and I wanted to let you know this story. It took six years for her to get converted from that packet. That's the type of story you hear all the time about people taking it. Three people from last year's outreach took a packet, have reported that they are now Christians also, plus their families. Uh, Tremendous work going on there in a very dark city. There's darkness everywhere, but there are pockets of light. Uh, I had the chance to share with 17 people from eight different countries. Uh, I didn't pray with anybody. Um, But the seed was sown. And we're believing God for every seed to bear fruit. One other story that I will share with you, which did not happen in London. But there was a couple there from Syria. He's Egyptian. His wife's Lebanese. They pastor a church in Damascus, Syria, which I will tell you about in a minute. Uh, Nine years ago, they decided that God had called him to go to Syria. Now, to be a Christian in Syria is dangerous enough to start with. You all know about President Hassad. Brutal, ruthless dictator. Okay. If you uh, have Christian materials on you, you can be imprisoned. If you share your faith with someone, you can be killed within an hour. This has happened over and over and over. So they go to Syria to share their faith, knowing what the consequences might be. Uh, Gamal, who's 44 years old, his wife Marceline, who's about the same age, So they go to Syria, they have this vision to reach people for Christ, but they know that they could lose their lives in the meantime. So they God gives them this idea of uh, creating a film about the life of Saul, who was converted on the Damascus Road in Syria. Okay, They have no money. They have never done a film. They have no place to produce it or show it in. They have nothing except an idea. So they go to this government official and share with him about this idea of making this film that promotes Syria in terms of of history. Because this is what happened in Syrian history. A man was walking on the road. A light came from heaven and his life has changed. It's really not a Bible story. It's a Syrian history story. So the, the man listens to them. He says, well, I'll see. He passes it up the chain to the president of Syria, President Hassad, who gives his approval. They have nothing to work with. They did know about seven Christian actors and actresses. They went to each of them and said, here's our idea We want to make a film. We cannot pay you. All seven of them said, we will not do it. So they went to Muslim actors and actresses. Twenty-three of them, they all said yes. The Christians said no. The Muslims said yes. 
They still don't have any way of making a film except they have actors and actresses. So one of the actors and actresses knew somebody from Kuwait who came over and directed the film, and they produced it and paid no one anything. They complete the film and take it to the government officials and tell them that they've completed the film. The government pays for all the advertising, huge billboards, posters, provides a theater which could hold uh, 4,000 people in downtown Damascus. They show the film free of charge, no one is, no admission. Over 3,000 people come, including the president, Hassad. As a parting gift, all of the people who attended received an Arabic New Testament, including the president of, of Syria. They show the film seven times over the next three weeks. Over 8,000 people come. Out of this is birthed their congregation, which now numbers 1,700 people. Additionally, the actor who played the role of Saul, while they were filming and while the scene was occurring where the light comes from heaven, literally got converted on the spot. He's still involved in their congregation to this day. Uh, so now they're in the end with the government. They can do anything they want. They pass out Bibles. They share their faith. And the government officials just look the other way. They they now have a satellite congregation in southern Syria of over 700 people. So God is working. Uh, that's uh, as I say, that's not something that happened in London, but that is an amazing story that you won't read in the news. So, thank you all for praying for me. Wow. Anybody have any questions for Phil? Man, thanks, Phil. Wow. Wow. Praise God. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now this is this is really interestingly a, a, a bit of a reinforcement, but it's also a challenge to us personally. Um, we can talk. What happened? Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, you got you got in. How do you get the movie? How do you get the movie? The one that they produced in Syria. Damascus speaks. Speaks. I don't know if it's the whole movie or not. Damascus speaks. Perhaps the, uh, with that combined, it's in Arabic. Oh, subtitles in Arabic. Subtitles. I don't know. I thought that was funny. Anyway, uh, anybody else? Yes. 
comment. James, where are you? Do you have a? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. We really can't. They can't hear you over here. The Lord is still closing the lion's mouth. Nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah. Isn't that something? That is something. I like the pockets thing. You know? Amazing. I mean, there there is darkness. I mean, it seems quite prevalent. But the light dispels the darkness, right? And we are to be lights, right? A city on a hill, we're not to be hidden in... Under a bushel or under a bucket. The title of the sermon is Believe, Live, Share. Good. Short. It's short. Everybody take a deep breath. Say with me, it's short. No, I'm sorry. I often find myself explaining myself. Sometimes it's excuses. Sometimes Reasons. Maybe, maybe your children have done that. <laughs> maybe defensive or just clarifying actions or beliefs. I think we all do that. Perhaps when we're challenged. How about when we're compl- complimented? You know, it, it's like you don't know how to take a compliment sometimes. It's like, well, yeah, you know, you don't want to come off being, you know, arrogant or anything like that, you know, but you want to be able to explain. And so there are a lot of areas in our lives where we give explanation for things, reasons, defense. So Phil just shared with us about sharing his faith. The reason he shares, somebody's going to ask, well, why, you know, why did you come all the way from America, Right. To talk to us, Muslims, who don't even believe the way that you do. But he was giving others an opportunity to hear why he believes. Why he lives and shares a faith that gave him and many others, many of us, life. Life indeed. It's critical. I mean, how did your hearts not... Just kind of well up in you, kind of like on the road to Damascus, I mean, road to Emmaus, you know, and the guys go, man, weren't our hearts warm? You know what? Didn't we sense something here? Well, I want to share from, I mean, when Phil shared, I mean, I, I was sensing that. I mean, I was sensing the, the gravity of the message, the gravity, the, the importance, the, the critical aspect of What we sang about this morning, that Jesus came, right, to purchase us. There's no wall he won't kick down. There's no lie he won't tear down. Coming after me. Coming after you. He'll send send some North Carolina dude all the way to London, England to kick down some walls. Amen. To dispel some falsehoods. To bring life, to bring life and hope to somebody, to a real person, an eternal soul, if you will. I'm really working on, this is just a little aside, I'm really working on getting back 
to where I was years ago, young person, where I actually saw people as eternal souls. I saw people, saw women as more than a piece of meat. Are you with me? Sometimes when you work in, in pastoral ministry or you're a social worker or you're um, in law enforcement, you can get real jaded. It's easy, right? Some of you know personally, some of you know people very personally who deal with that. And it's like, Lord God, you know, take me back to the place where I can look beyond the misbehaviors, the wrongdoings. I mean, the sinfulness... Of others, you know, it's easy for us to forget our sinfulness and our forgiveness when we look at things that are a little more atrocious to us than our own misbehaviors, if you will. Explain those, defend those, you know, whatever. But my prayer for myself personally and, and for others who have to deal with these kinds of things is that we get back to the place where we see people and the scripture puts it not after the flesh, but after the spirit that we understand that we're all messed up until Jesus comes and delivers us and sets us free and invites him, gives us a new name, gives us a new nature. We are born again. And that hope is always there. Till a person takes their last breath, and I, I don't, I won't get into that. But will he, Father? Will you change us? Will you reform us? Will you ignite that kind of love, the Jesus kind of, the Father kind of love, the sacrifice that will go to the nth degree and did go to the point of sacrificing his very own son. Called Abraham to do it and then gave him a way out. He called Jesus to do it and gave him a way through. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to challenge us a little bit. And this is out of First Peter Three, Peter's a mess, man. I really, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful that the Lord included in the canon Peter's letters. He says, to sum it up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind hearted and humble in spirit. And that's why we say love one another. We're called to this. Now, we don't explain this statement every time we say it, but there is a lot behind that statement. And this is part of it. And it's interesting. He's calling us as believers. Be harmonious. Be sympathetic. Be brotherly. Kind-hearted, be humble in spirit. And watch this. He just takes it to another level. Come on, Peter. Not returning evil for evil. Huh. Uh. Or insult for insult. Yeah, but, Lord, I had the best sarcastic insult, man. It was so good. You won't let me say it. 
but giving a blessing instead. Thank you, Bobby. Speak blessing for you. Watch this. You were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. You mean I I I inherit a blessing as well. And do we do it for the blessing? No, we do it to bless others, Ben, because that's who our father is. But we do receive blessing. Amen. It's good. It's good. For the one who desires like now, there's a reason. And Peter, keep this in mind, because Peter goes on and I don't want us to pull this out of context, but instead I want to stick it in its context. All right. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek Peace and pursue it. This is active. This is right. This is calculated. This is design. Man. Seek peace and pursue it. You know, I just next time you're just in a group and just in, in conversation or even in your family or or home or maybe at the grocery store, or maybe at the at the ball field. Just listen. And see how many things are speaking blessing, how many, how many phrases, how many, you know, how many things that people are saying are speaking blessing. See how many things are obviously a pursuit of peace within that situation. Also take note of how many negative things are said. How many demeaning things are said. Now, they may about may be demeaning things about somebody that's not in that conversation. Just saying. But guess what? When that person goes to the next conversation and you're not there, you're the one that's being demeaned. <laughs> Just saying. But God wants something totally different for us. And he has a message. Phil went with a message, the very same message that he sent with us. Every one of us who are believers. Amen. So here we go. And there's a blessing in this. We believe it. Now he's asking us to live it. And to share it. It's good. It's good. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. And his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there to harm you? And I love the way he just jumps. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous? For what, if God be for you, who can be against you? At least in any significant way in the light of eternity. Are you with me? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Now, these are encouraging words from Peter for us to keep on pursuing peace, to keep on sharing. Amen. And watch this. 
But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Believe. In other words, set apart Jesus, the Nazarene, the, the real person who was born right in Bethlehem, right? And, and grew up just like a regular kid, so, sort of. <laughs> Ministered for three years intensely and then was killed. But then, three days later, boom. Ah, up from the grave he rose. Yeah. That's history. But it's also life. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's our first step. We, we set him bar. We understand that he is the son of God. That he, his sacrifice on the cross paid for our sin. He has given us, given us new life. We are his. So set that in your heart. Set it solid. Be convinced. Be sure. Be assured. Watch this sentence. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Be ready to give an account, a defense. Give a reason. Why? Why do you do this? Why do you go to Bible studies? Why do you? Why are you nice at the ball field? Why are you nice to the umpires? What's the matter with you? <laughs> There's a reason for that. There's a good reason. And there can be some amazing fruit when we're willing to do that. Not only are we blessed, but someone might find life, find forgiveness, find hope, find purpose. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone. Who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. For the hope that is in you. And if we behave like Peter encouraged us to behave earlier in this passage, then perhaps they would see a hopeful person. If they don't see a hopeful person, they're not going to ask you, right? So this, it's, it's really important. It, it, it accomplishes many things when we behave this way. Huh. Yet, with gentleness and reverence. With gentleness and reverence. Now, I think this is a very important statement right here. Because some of us learned apologetics in a way that it was almost caustic. It was almost mean. It was almost arrogant. You know what I'm saying? You know, defend your faith. You repent, you sinners. Instead of... You know, hey man, you've got the opportunity to repent and be born again and have life. You know, that's a whole different posture. And that's the posture that Peter is encouraging. Now, Peter was a rough, tough guy. I mean, he was a fisherman. He was, he was a little coarse. But he understood that it's important to present this gospel in a gentle and reverent way. And this is not just reverence for the Lord. This is reverence for even unsaved souls. Are you with me? It, it, it changes our posture. And honestly, it will win more for Jesus than all of the other attitudes. And, and you know. 
Yet, with gentleness and reverence, very important as we share our faith, as we live our faith, as we believe what we believe. I want to start with that same verse, verse 15, and Peter, and going through 18 out of the message. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. And always with the utmost courtesy. Now, now, that's good, isn't it? That's good, isn't it? I'm not going to read it again, but I sure would like to. So I'm going to. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks Why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Verse 16, keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. I love that. Gene Peterson, what a hoot. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. But in a good way, not in a snarky way. You know what I'm saying? It's better to suffer For doing good, if that's what God wants, than to be punished for doing bad. This has always been one of my favorite verses. Just, just, you know, if I'm going to be convicted of something, you know, I don't want it to be stealing. You know, if I'm in a country like Syria, where it's possible that I could be punished just for speaking the word of the Lord or, or, you know then I'd rather be put in jail for that than for doing something wrong. Because that's not the way that that the Lord has called us to live. It's not the way that Peter has encouraged us to live out our faith. It's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to be punished for doing bad. Verse 18, that's what Christ did definitively. That's what Christ did. Definitively suffer because of others sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous ones. He went through it all, was put to death and then made alive to bring us to God. And when we share our faith and when we live our faith, when we believe that's backwards, but. It is for the purpose of bringing others to God, to experience reconciliation, to experience life, to experience hope, to experience purpose. Right. So we are in him. We are with him made alive. To sum it up. Back to verse eight. All of you be harmonious. Sympathetic. Connect, relate, understand, give a flying flip. Brotherly, kind hearted, and humble in spirit, but with gentleness and reverence, right? Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing 
instead. I'm thinking of so many verses. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Share the love. Share the love. Imagine your world. Your world. If you behave like this. You don't have to go to London. You don't have to go to Nicaragua. But you can't. Well, not right now. Don't go. You have a mission field in your world where you live. And this is the way that you share Jesus. Father, we are grateful that you that you purchased us. When we were your foe, you fought for us. Before we spoke a word, you were singing over us. Father God, let us keep this in mind. Let us see souls the way you see souls. Let us behave like Jesus behaved. Obedient to you, Father. And loving one another in reality and not just words. I think there's a little joy going on in there. Lord, we are grateful. Thank you so much. Listen, um, when we dismiss, there will be people over here who would love to pray with you. If you don't know this peace, if you don't know this Jesus, don't walk out those doors without praying with someone, without inviting him. About repenting. In other words, saying, hey man, you know what? I know my life is a mess. But I believe that what was said today is true. That you really are the Savior. That you really will clean me up. You will really forgive me. You'll make me a light of hope in this world. If that's you, (laughs) don't hesitate. Amen. Perhaps you're here today, well, you are here today, but perhaps you are in the situation where you have held your faith close. Maybe because you're nervous, maybe because you're shy. But the Lord's saying, live the life. If you'll live the life, people will ask you, why do you do that? So if you're shy, don't worry about making the first move. Just respond, because as Peter encouraged us, be ready to give a reason why you live the way you do. Amen? And if you would like prayer for that, boom, you know, or right where you're sitting, the people around you. I don't really, I'm not really worried about that. I just want you to be prayed with, okay? Because prayer is powerful. You know, it's just one of the ways God uses You know, I didn't invent it. He did. So, you know what? We're going to go with that. Okay? Now, if you just want a fellowship and stuff like that, I think that's really important. Just do that in this section over here. So we'll have the spiritual people over here. And No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You know I'm kidding. 
Hey, but don't forget, no matter what, don't forget to love one another. God bless you.